0: I'm Jackie from Cape Town in South Africa. Andre from Brisbane. I'm Ben White from Botswana.
1: Jim Panton from Edinburgh in Scotland. I'm Lisa Breakno
0: from Christchurch, New
2: Zealand. Nick Kivinji from Nairobi, Kenya. I'm Biggie from Tel Aviv in
0: Israel.
1: I'm Andy from Vancouver, Canada. This is Harish from Bangalore in India.
2: I'm Brigitte Seipestein from Frucht,
0: the Netherlands. I'm Dougie Nisbet from Durham in the UK.
1: And you're listening to Run with Coach Parry. Welcome back. Thank you so much for listening to Run with Coach Parry. My name is Brad. We've got the coach, Lindsay Parry, with us once again today, and uh, we are joined by another member of the Coach Parry Online Training Club. Stephen Pinnock joins us today, Uh, and in today's podcast, we'll talk a little bit about uh, Steve's running journey, how he got into the sport. We'll put a plan in place for Steve to uh, get his back-to-back medal at Comrades. We'll talk about how to get the nutrition balance right so you can push in a marathon. Uh, We also we talk a little bit about running shoes today. It's something that we get asked quite often. Uh, we're going to talk about the transition. So if you're running in stability shoes, if you want to transition to neutral running shoes, we'll talk about that transition and when the right time is to do it, because uh, that is important, changing shoes at the right time if you are going to change, uh, how to assess the wear on your shoes to figure out what type of shoes you should be running in. We'll also talk about the best way to approach hills on your training run, as well as stretching and strength work, how that can improve improve any sort of back pain that you might be experiencing while you run. That's all coming up on today's podcast. I'm sure you are going to enjoy it. And don't forget, we've got another one of our Comrades Marathon online training seminars coming up. If you'd like to register, it is free. All you need to do is head over to coachparry.com forward slash webinar. That's where you'll find the details. And that link is in the show notes to this episode of the podcast as well. you can just click through on the podcast player that you are listening to this podcast on and while you're at it so why don't you just leave us a review and a rating if you wouldn't mind uh, it really does help us get in front of more runners just like you and help uh, spread the message that we're trying to spread here at CoachParry.com and help as many runners as we can achieve their goals and speaking of achieving their goals let's help steven do exactly that right now
2: good morning steven how are we today
0: Yeah, I'm not too bad. I hope you're doing well as well.
2: Yeah, yeah. Always am. Um, So, Stephen, what is it that brought you into running? And tell us a little bit about what makes you tick and what you enjoy about running.
0: Cool. So, um, I've never really been much of a runner, you know, throughout my life. Um, I really didn't do anything more than a 3K or a 5K, and I've just generally avoided running. Purely because I was of the mindset, like, you know, what I've got such a spastic body, like uh, I look like a like a chicken when I'm running. It wasn't it wasn't really um, part of my my staple. Um, I did get into mountain biking a couple of years ago, and that was kind of like a nice sort of doing something active on the weekend and getting outdoors. Unfortunately, um, you know, I spent a lot of time riding with mates, but you know, as time goes by, people have less time, and then I ended up doing a lot of riding by myself. Um, the other thing is. I must have pretty crap at mountain biking. So I did end up with a hip fracture (laughs) in uh, 2015. And then I was dabbling a bit of biking, And then again, like about uh, two years ago, I ended up with a dislocated shoulder. So, you know, I kind of realized it's not really for me. Um, And then I I did want to get into running, but I was quite hesitant. I did, after my hip fracture, I did a lot of rehab and I set myself a race goal for for mountain biking. And I got myself fit and rehabilitated. Uh, But after that, um, I just never really had any sort of intention or sort of motivation to do mountain biking, but I wanted to do something active. Um, I started running, you know, pushing about the 10, like between 5Ks up to building a 10K to late 2017. But 2018, I set myself a goal. I'm going to enter Cape Town Marathon. And that was kind of like my plan for the year was to build up, to the half and do do the full 42 uh, as Cape Town Marathon. So that's like around about September of the year. Um, It was quite useful. I was running with mates who had done their first comrades run in that year. So it's kind of like, you know, hopping on the morning bandwagon runs. It was a good good training motivator. But in my mind for that year was 2018 was, um, just doing marathon. I have no intention of doing comrades. That's just ridiculous. No one needs to do that nonsense. <laughs> um, I struggled that year a little bit with hamstring issues. I do have like tight hamstrings and it's quite a struggle and like I had a couple of ups, ups and downs. Um, when I got to the start line of Kathan Marathon, I mean it was pretty much touch and go and in the first K it kind of like it struggled. So I kind of hobbled through to the finish line, um, uh, kind of gave up. I didn't give up. I kind of get, my legs kind of gave out after the 32, 35k mark, but I hobbled over in like 5 15 and I thought, like, yeah. no, 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 this is ridiculous. I can do better. Um, entered like the wine Lands, which was a few months later, and then I got a qualifying time, and then it's like, well, you know, got the marathon, what next? Entered comrades and, you know, Bob's your uncle. So, yeah. um, so last year was my comrades training by fire. So, um, yeah, it's kind of, for me, running is the case of it's an easy way to, you know, set yourself a goal, get out the door and you're exercising. So, um, yeah. it's, uh, cool. and more specifically around the goal and just setting some sort of targets. So, um, this year it's just about, first of all, the back to back as a priority and then sort of secondary, you know, can I get a sub 10? I think it's in me. Um, and then beyond that, it's kind of, well, um, I don't know if I, have, if I have the logistical patience for being in Durban every single uh, every single June, um, but you know, there's I wouldn't mind transitioning into trail and things like that. But um, you know, living in Cape Town, we do have mountains. I know it's I know it's a, di- a bit of a different animal. So it's kind of like you know, thinking about goals beyond that. You know, what's going to keep me active and yeah. how do I prioritize? Cool. So look, the, let's start out with uh, with. For
2: the good news. Um, well, there isn't really bad news, but the good news is quite simply that you you may have started uh, running, not thinking that you're much good at it, but you, you certainly do have some ability um, at the moment. If we look at your your five k, and then you know we were chatting a little bit off air, your ten k at forty six minutes in a on a very windy day. So, and you felt like you could have gone a few minutes faster. And I, yeah, I would agree with that. So based on where your 5K is at now, your which is at 2150, sorry for everyone who, who wasn't part of our original conversation, um, you really do have the ability to run fairly quickly all the way through. And your 10K time should be about three minutes faster than it is. Your half time, Um, she's a good 20 minutes quicker than where it is and your marathon time potentially is under three and a half hours so um, look realistically again because you you kind of don't come from a running or endurance background although the the, the cycling would have wouldn't have would have helped that you kind of in a position now where there is loads of room to improve, I think the the kind of long you stay in the sport and whether that's trail running and dabbling in the odd road race, you there's certainly plenty of room for improvement. And that does mean that really with the, the following the sub 10 program and doing the things that you, you need to do to get a little stronger aerobically, sub 10 is very doable and, you know, without question, if race day doesn't go quite according to plan, you you really should get under 11 for your back-to-back as as a kind of worst-case scenario. I'd imagine 10 and a half would be you've had a pretty miserable day if you if you get 10 and a half. So look, that that are really, that is really all the good news, um, and that I, I just like to start the calls like that because it at least gives you confidence in what you are trying to achieve. And the rest of the call then is really over to you, and to get as much information out of me as you can, to make the sub ten as as uh, close to reality as possible. So yeah, you know, hopefully you've had lots of questions swirling around while you're out there on the road with a few thoughts to yourself.
0: Yeah, generally the summer running goes. I almost get lost in my head, and then before I know it, the run's over. So. Um, so actually, you know, this week I was busy formulating a question and it was around nutrition. Um, it, it just so happens then that I listened to the podcast that you released this week on the, 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 the guy who was doing his four hundred and thirty marathon and specifically yes. on you know how much fueling is needed. My specific question, cause I was trying to like work out what I needed for a, a marathon in terms of like, what do I need to carry and How much can I rely on in, in respect of like the, uh, the likes of Coca-Cola. So, uh, I'm doing Peninsula Marathon this Sunday. Um, I, I'm targeting a sub four. Um, and the reason why I was thinking along this is because I actually, when I've been thinking about the number of marathons that I've run, and like over the course of like last year's training, I, I did do a, do a couple, but they're all training runs. So I've never really felt that I've really, really pushed myself in the marathon. And specifically on the, say the last 10, 15 Ks. Yeah. it's probably... Where I think, like, that's probably where my gap is in terms of, like, how do I need to make sure that I do have the, the nutrition or the energy levels to get me through there? And, you know, cause I've been looking at, like, what, um, the sort of nutritional values are for some of the things. For, for example, like the, I think what like, the, the far bars and the gels, I think they're about 20 grams per one. But then, in about thinking if you need, what, 60 grams an hour, you know, that's got a lot of stuff to carry. Yes. But then, like, I think the point that you made is that what you start in at the start line, you've already got something like 180 grams and whatever you've eaten in the morning. So, I think my in my mind, and I probably just wanted to test this through. I was trying to do the maths on it, and yes. um, you know, sometimes where things go pear shaped in my head. Um, is it is it a correct assumption to say, you know, I'm at a hundred not 100, but 80, 80 kilograms. So I'm starting around about 180 grams. If I have a bowl of oats or something like that, that's an extra 50 grams. And if I have a drink of uh, some sort of carb electrolyte drink, I normally have like a USN electrolyte drink, which has a bit of carb in it, about 20 grams. So I'm really like starting at about 250 grams. And then for a four-hour marathon, which is going to need about 320 grams, like the difference is really only 70 grams over the course of that four hours. So
2: you will start with um, eighty times one point five. Okay, so you'll start with one hundred twenty grams, um, and if you have a pretty good breakfast, then you will then you'll probably get close to the one eighty grams um, to start with, which means that you you. You could probably get through a, a marathon without too much, but by the end, you're going to be really ropey. Um, so, you, I would say, probably from there, are looking at another 180 that you want to um, take in over the four hours. So, <laughs> uh so you're probably looking at about 45 grams per hour which is actually quite easy with a bar and like two half sachets of of be it coke and or power add. You, yeah. you you will you will have enough yeah. um if you do it yeah. like that i think
0: i've yeah. kind of i've been trying to like find the ideal thing to you know to shove into your mouth when you're struggling to breathe and i've kind of yes. landed on what i like is the I uh, said so the, uh, the 32G, uh, um, they, they're chewables compared to the green okay. chewables. I Yeah. It's uh, yeah. perfect to get in rather than like a choking on the bits and pieces of think.
2: Look at that. Um, That's honestly 99% of the of nutrition is it needs to be something you can eat and that you look forward to eating. And the further the race gets, the more important those two things become.
0: Okay, perfect. Cool. I'll just double check my math on it and then, yeah. And I know some of the marathons that you run, you never quite know when there's a coke or when there's a parade. So it's kind of like if you're trying to be reliant. To Look, at there, at,
2: at Peninsula, you're almost certain to have a water station every three to six k's. I know it's some of the races in the Western Cape, they are looking at every five k's um, because that is the international standard is every five k's, but also to try and uh, limit the – the sachet and and litter wastage. So you can just check that up at registration, ask them and it'll either be every 5Ks or every 3Ks and you can do your calculations from there. Okay,
0: cool. Um, The other question I had in mind, so um, it it deals with the sort of the transition from a stability to a neutral. And I know you have dealt with this quite a bit. And and from what I gather, it's a case of, Yes, you can do it. You need to just put in, put in the work and transition it appropriately. I think my question is then um, in light of the fact that you're kind of entering into peak comrades training uh, with March coming up, is it you know does it make sense to think about that now or rather just stick with what's comfortable and after comrades deal with questions like that? So, the, the, look,
2: there are two parts to that question, and the one is that a lot of people who are in motion control shoes don't need to be in motion control shoes. Okay, And the second aspect of that is even people who are perhaps would benefit from a motion control shoe also can run better even if they're not in a, a, a motion control shoe. Now that is the group that really needs to do the strength training, do the stability work, and probably needs to build up really really slowly if you're going if you're thinking about going from uh, uh, motion control to neutral and minimus, then then don't then 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 it needs to wait until after comrades but if you are wanting to look at and and, and particularly this is this is the very important part is that if you are have been put into a pair of motion control shoes because when you ran at the shop that you went and bought your first shoes from, they said you pronate. And they, they are correct, except that pronation is neutral because that is shock absorption. That roll of your okay. foot is completely normal. So if you have run in a, in a neutral pair of shoes at any point in time and you've still got them handy, pull them out and have a look. If you land towards the the outer edge of your heel, roll through the shoe so that on the forefoot, kind of where the ball of your foot is, you are either center or slightly off-center towards the middle. And then you come off the shoe basically on or just inside the big toe. That would be normal pronation. If that wear is actually towards the the outer so the around the ball of your foot if the the way is towards the lateral the outer edge of your foot then you're actually probably compromising yourself in motion control shoes when we get into the proper peak mileage so because you're doing your qualifying you're doing it quite early you've got three or four weeks to just get in the new pair of shoes and not, you're not going to build it up painstakingly slowly, but it is going to be a gradual build-up. Yeah. So that, that for me is key, is to actually make sure that you are, in fact, a uh, neutral, and then the transition you can certainly do now. If you, if you slightly excessively pronate, I would wait. And definitely if you're looking to transition to like a, a six or, or four mil heel-toe, then you, then you need to wait and do that transition much slower.
0: Okay. So, you know, just to like add into like where my mind gets a little bit confused or conflicted on it. Is like, so when I started running and I thought, you know, with the initial marathon training, I thought, okay, go to a podiatrist and get an expert opinion on it. Um, and I went to a podiatrist, did the full analysis of the head analysis video recording. And, um, and he immediately said, you pronate, um, you know, you're going to snap your Achilles as well. So, so you need this stability shoe. Like it was a new balance, eight hundred and sixty. Um, I mean like to the model and and the width and everything, these are the shoes that you need to run in. So, okay, fine. So then I ran in that and I quite, quite enjoyed them. I found those shoes quite comfortable. Um, but each year as the model that uh, released new models, it was never quite as comfortable as the initial model. Uh, but now then, Last year, late last year, um, I went to one of the run specialist stores and the guy kind of, he basically just looked at my, the way that I was walking in my work shoes and he says, you don't actually pronate, you rather start off with a slight supinate um, and then you've got to roll off your hip forward because you've got weak glutes. I've kind of always known that I've had weak glutes, kind of this idea of mine. So they kind of said, you can get away with a, a maybe mouse ability or neutral. So... Um, I'm kind of. I'm now in a. I'm running in the New Balance Rubik's, which, as far <laughs> as I understand, it is a mile stability shoe. Yeah. So I'm just wondering, you know, does it still? And, and now that I'm also, what I've noticed with my running shoes is that like I can, I can never get my shoes to last more than 600 k's. After 600 k's, I tend to. Find that my feet are rolling quite a bit, and I get the in, inner blisters on the inside of, of the, sorry, the outside of the big toe, or the outside of, or the inside of the, of the foot. Um, and I'm starting to get that now. I've only got about 450 k's on, on on these shoes, and I'm just wondering, like, you know, are, is this something about my running which shows that my feet are collapsing in like that, or not?
2: So that no, 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 does. I mean,
0: that- so, so
2: without doing my, a, a, an actual analysis, I am fairly certain that you do pronate, um, and I think, look, the 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 very new 860, that is on its way, is probably a shoe that um, is worth having a look at. Look, it does sound and, – and the fact that you run through those shoes so quickly tells me that you are putting quite a lot of pressure through the medial side. So, look, for now, besides the fact that you're running through them quite quickly, I would be um, – I wouldn't really like to change um, – but again, because it's the same, it's the same brand, um, and it's the and it's and the new 860s really are. Um, they've got the new, the, the, the brand new ones that are coming out. They've got the 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 new um, um, damn fresh foam X technology. I think it'll be an extremely comfortable ride for you. And then hopefully at one of the expos, we can actually see each other. Don't really like to, uh, I wouldn't trust anything that's done while walking, A and B, while you're in your work shoes because you'll be very different. Um, and yeah. and from what, what's been described, we all land in supernation. And that's what I'm saying. Yeah. Supernation, you land on the outside, you roll to the inside and you are rolling past the big toe. When you're rolling past the big toe, that is bordering into excessive pronation. So, again, you could potentially run better and enjoy your running more in neutral shoes. However, you're going to run through them quicker. So, that's going to be your trade-off. If you feel like you like the neutral shoe and it gives you a better ride and a performance feel, you are going to need new shoes quicker and quicker
0: you know I feel like it's been yeah. way too much uh, already exactly. and running is going to be a cheap port
2: exactly yeah um, so, so for me I would I would look at the new 860 again and that shoe will last you longer you should get 800 ks out of that shoe at least um, the yeah, job that 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 would be my advice
0: okay cool um, I had a question just on then coming back down to comrades training Um, and so obviously you know the bulk of that training is really on the focusing on the long long, slow runs and it's getting into the back to back runs on the weekends so we're quite lucky where we are um, for our training we can put in some hills there are a couple of hills around that that we can do um, trying uh, to simulate comrades as best as we can I'm just wondering I know like the comrades is you know there's going to be a lot of walk-in you know a you know, look forward to every, every single walk record where you can. Um, and I know in, in the training program, there's a, I know it's kind of like there's room to say when you are training, you know, just you can build in a run-walk strategy on hills. But I'm just wondering, I almost I almost go into this mentality and I'm not sure if this is the correct mentality to have. It's that like when I'm doing a training run, sure I'm, you know, trying to focus on just, you know, trying to keep it as slow as possible, keep it, you know, keep it as easy and steady as I can, you know, kind of keep an eye on the heart rate. When it comes to a hill, to say, you know, I'm trying to like train to, to push yourself um, up a hill. So there's almost this mentality to say, I'd rather run the hill. Even though I'm not running hard, I might be running, you know, there, pushing it down to seven minutes a K or seven and a half even. But I'm still running. So you're kind of like training the body to push on. Was it rather a case of rather just you, do your training runs at the same basis as you would on a comrades you always you know, walk, run, walk, run?
2: So your long runs? You do them on the same training, the same basis that you're going to do on Comrades. But on your shorter weekday runs, to get better at the hills, you can do exactly – Not, I wouldn't sprint them all the time, but exactly as you say. Just get a bit stronger, try and run most of them, um, and get better at hill running. But on, on race day and long run, it's – a, grooving your race plan and being comfortable with it. And then on race day in particular, we want to get over the hills feeling good so we can take advantage of the easier parts of the course. Um, and so that's that needs to be your mentality on the longer runs and, the, and, and in particular on your training marathon slash ultras. Then it's, okay, it's cool. crucial to do it like
0: that. Yeah. Okay, cool. Thank you. Um, Okay, I have one question, and but like this is probably one of these questions where I'm asking for a magic bullet solution to, which I don't quite think exists. Um, so I do struggle quite a lot with my with, um, with my back. So in terms of like you know, I find like I get every now and then like my back kind of just locks up a bit. You know, coincidentally, I find that like when I started running, this problem got less and less. It's just that like I do work in an I'm you know sitting in an office desk, and I find when I travel. Um, you know even I do mean, like, need to get on a plane to Joburg or to um, out of the country for a bit. but even like a two hour flight to Joburg like and it, my back just really really suffers through this and then I find that I do have like the really really tight hamstrings um, I'm just finding the you know I, I'm trying to avoid the uh, the continual going to the car, car although you know she appreciates the service the kids also
2: need to go to school
0: exactly um, but it's just a case of like you know what's when I do have a, and uh, my main concern is like when I feel like I'm coming into a run even if it's just a training run where I am feeling very very locked up like that that I'm kind of putting myself at an injury risk and like what's the best way um, do I you know do I need to focus on rather trying to like stretch the hamstrings out or trying to get something into the glutes or try and just unlock that back you know what's the yeah. I know there's no answer to sort of sort out the back other than you know keep, keep Doing pull work, which I'm trying, to, what I'm trying to get to, but like, what should the priority be to manage that risk?
2: Yeah, so so look, you you have summed it up, and and being tall is making that harder for you a lot harder, and that's why the travel really does compromise yeah. you every time. That your your weak or, or inactive glutes is, is definitely contributing to that. Um, so the carrying like a, a little spiky. Uh, Toy, kids' toy, but like a firm, spiky kids' toy or a or a, a um, hockey ball, slaz ball, that type of thing will help because you can roll into the lower back, you can roll into your glutes, and if you have like a, a rolling pin um, or a foam roller, but where you can roll into to the hamstrings, stretching regularly. Particularly after running, and and glutes yeah. and, and hamstring are the two most important. So, even if you, you know, we, we all rush off, you know, we do our run and we rush off somewhere, but if you can just literally spend two to three minutes stretching your glutes and your hammy, yeah. that's going to make a, an enormous difference. And then the, your long term fix is really to get into the core work. Um, you know, single leg squats and squats and uh, split squats. So, in that lunge position are great exercises for activating and forcing those glutes to do their job and to get strong.
0: Okay. I was trying to ask, is there, when the hamstrings are tight,
2: mm-hmm. is
0: it a good idea to stretch the hamstring or is it rather a better idea? I've got the foam roller. I've got one of those reflexology yeah, balls yeah. as well. Look,
2: some stretching is, is absolutely fine, but it's, it's quite gentle stretching. And sorry, the other thing, because it's happening when you're it for long periods of time, the other thing to do is to stretch your hip flexors. If you stretch your hip flexors, okay. so that's right at the top of your quad. you stretch your hip flexors, that may provide some very short-term, immediate symptomatic relief and will allow you to then run quite Injury risk free, and of course, the running and the mobility in that in the lower spine and the hips is helping, which is why you know, kind of the more you run, the less it bothers you.
0: Okay, cool. Um, all right, I think that's pretty much all, all that I had in mind. As I said, like I'm kind of just about to get into peak training season, so nothing's gone wrong yet. So, I wouldn't know, <laughs> I wouldn't know yeah. if there's anything I need to ask, but um, no, thank you for that
2: absolute pleasure so yeah I mean we'll see you in the forum so you can uh, jump in and ask us as as many questions as you like Um, and my little just piece of parting advice is you are going to qualify this weekend I'm fairly confident you're going to do it in fact I'm very confident you're going to do it under four hours and then next week your priority is just a couple of days off um, a week of recovery and then two weeks of, of building up and then we are as you said into our peak training Cool. Perfect. Thank you very much. Awesome. Great having you. Thanks for joining us. All right, man. Cheers.
1: And that's it for this edition of Run with Coach Barry. Every week we share a success story in the uh, at the end of these podcasts and this podcast was uh, recorded just before the Peninsula Marathon. Obviously we were helping Stephen put a plan together for that uh, but he posted a post in the success forum just after the Peninsula Marathon uh, and he said, Hi coaches, just an update. I got my sub four Marathon at Peninsula today by the skin of my teeth. He says I was a bit cocky at the start. Had the 340 bus uh, a bit ahead of me and I think I paid for it in the last 12Ks, dug deep and finished in 357. Thanks all Steve. Stephen, that is amazing. Well done mates. Congratulations on that sub four uh, and yeah, onwards and upwards to comrades and your back-to-back this year. We'd love to be able to share your success story here on the podcast. Uh, if you'd like to join the Coach Perry Online Training Club where you get access to over 70 science-based training programs that work, uh, you get access to Lindsay, the rest of our coaching staff, our resident dietitian Nikki DeVilliers uh, and and a whole lot more. All you need to do is head over to coachparry.com forward slash join. That's where you can get all the details. You also get access to our members only weekly live Q&A calls. Uh, you get discount vouchers uh, available right now in the app as well. Uh, you get access to a discount voucher from Runderwear, for example. If you're looking for running underwear, uh, sports bras, Runderwear is the place to go. Uh, and you get a discount voucher in the app as well. And there's a whole lot more. So go check them out. Uh, all you need to do is head over to coachparry.com forward slash join. You definitely won't be disappointed. And we're love to help you achieve your running goals in the weeks and months to come until next time from myself brad brown it's cheers